Welcome to Built to Go, a van life podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Wagg, coming to you from the College of Curiosity. This time it's episode 197, and we're going to talk about Van Fest. Yes, the event is over, but the memories shall continue, as I hope also will all the friendships that I made in this very short time. We're also going to talk about the WeBoost and my experiences with it on the road, how it actually works. A product review of the Sol Vinden line of USB chargeable lights from Ikea. And a tale from the road involving recovery boards. <laughs> I guess I got to use my recovery boards, but we'll save that for later. Well, folks, I picked out the perfect spot to record this podcast. And this may sound a little bit different to you because I'm using my mobile setup. And I was in the wilds of southern Florida in a place not a lot of people have heard of called Okaloa Coochie Slough at the Panther Pond Campground. And I've been here for a few days and I've had the entire place to myself, or at least it seemed like it. It's been completely silent except for the palms rustling in the wind and and the birds flying by, and just as I was hitting record for this podcast, somebody fired up a generator, and then they fired up a chainsaw. <laughs> so rather than recording outside like I was planning, I am now huddled in my van trying to mitigate the noise as much as possible. So I apologize if the sound quality isn't up to snuff, <laughs> which is fairly common in this podcast. But at any rate, you're here I'm here. We have things to talk about. First, I have to say a big thank you to all of you I met in Florida. Bruce, it was wonderful hanging out with you. Thank you so much for the whiskey that night. That was a memorable evening, and you were a big part of it. And I wish you the best in all the adventures that are heading your way. Bill and Christina, you guys built the most amazing rig. They built this Ford Transit that is professional Plus, and even though Bill will tell you everything that's wrong with it, Christina will tell you everything that's right with it. And these two have such a dynamic that I wish they would start a podcast and just do product reviews because it would be hilarious as well as very informative. <laughs> also met Amanda, Jackie, and Julia of the Schoolie community. Wow, folks, if you are looking for community in van life, you need to meet up with the Schoolie folks. They are amazing. We'll talk more about that in a bit. I also met Instagram celebrity Charlie Grace, who was everywhere all at the same time, and she had hoped to do an interview with me in my ambulance, but it, it never worked out. We were always in different places at different times, so hopefully we'll meet her down the road. And also a shout out to David and Leslie, who recognized me from the podcast, and uh, one of them came up and said, I know you, you're Jeff Wagg, and it was just from my voice. <laughs> Apparently my voice is unique or something. I don't know, but it was, it was fun. So uh, thank you all for being there. So what did you guys miss, those of you who weren't there, by not being there? Well, you missed that there are a lot of people doing this van life thing. There were well over 200 rigs there, and I volunteered to help parking. And it was a serious problem. We were in this massive complex at the Space Coast Stadium where they do carnivals and state fairs and all that kind of stuff. But we just were having a hard time finding places to put people, not only because there were so many vans, but because there were so many gigantic vehicles. There was one gentleman there with a 46-foot bus, and there was another gentleman there who towed a Jeep, and um, he, sent, he mentioned to me, and he also tows a boat, and when he does that, it, his rig is 67 feet long, and these folks were rolling in saying, hey, I'm here, and we're like, uh, okay, we'll find a place to put you. The place was 
packed with every shape and size of vehicle you can imagine. There was an ambulance build there that was built by a boat builder, and it was just the most beautiful thing I've ever seen, even though I couldn't stand up in it. It was just gorgeous inside. I, I was incredibly impressed. He even had a piece of teak in there that was salvaged from Eric Clapton's boat. So he had a little piece of Eric Clapton in the boat with him. There were a few jokes made about what could have happened on that teak, but uh, yeah, we'll leave those between us. Anyway, there were giant buses. There were little tiny vans. There were a few transit connects. Sadly, no NV200s. Uh, there were some Dodge Caravans, a whole bunch of Sprinters, a whole bunch of Promasters, and a whole bunch of Transits, as you would imagine. And then there were the big, massive Overlander rigs, the big pickup trucks with all the stuff hanging off of them, and a whole group of Volkswagen Sun buses that were kind of standoffish a bit. They, they kind of built their own little community on the outskirts, but they were super friendly if you went up there. They just were kind of used to hanging out with themselves, and that's what they did, and it worked out just fine. So... This event was a few different things, but one of the main features of this event was that you would just walk around and tour everybody else's rig. Now, there's a small problem with this in that if you're showing off your rig, it was hard to get away from your rig to see everybody else's. And I had that problem, and I didn't get to see as many rigs as I would have liked. But every single rig had some unique, interesting thing about it. And that includes even like the Winnebago Travados and things like that that were, you know, built by RV companies. There was something to learn from all of them. And there were a number of people there who were just van curious. They didn't have vans. And you could see them taking notes like, mm -hmm, I could do this, I could do that. Now, people who came to my rig, which, as you will recall, is a 2011 Mercedes Sprinter Type 2 ambulance. Oh, we talked a lot about how you should uh, never do what I did. <laughs> I had a whole bunch of reasons why you should never build out a Type 2 ambulance into a camper, unless you happen to have one. You should never buy a diesel, unless you have specific needs that tailor themselves to diesels. And you should never buy a Mercedes, unless you know a good Mercedes mechanic and have a whole lot of money. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we had a bunch of conversations like that. Interestingly, almost everybody agreed that Ford Transits are the simplest, least hassle vehicles to own in camper life. And I had said that before on the show, that I think if you're looking for the vehicle that'll give you the least hassle, that means the least number of repairs, the least expensive repairs, and the easiest chance of finding someone to work on your rig, yeah, Ford Transit was the vehicle to get. And you also have to point out that the ProMaster is probably easier to build out than the Transit and has some advantages like the 8-foot width. These were the kind of conversations that happened all week. But everyone also agreed that the rig you have, the one you're in, the one that's letting you live the life, is absolutely the best rig there is, and it always should be. Another thing I learned, and this wasn't too surprising, is that people are super helpful. So I installed a new fresh water system in my van before I left, and uh, let's just say it was a disaster. <laughs> I, I was using a Brita filter that had a snap-on lid. It's a very long, skinny Brita filter. It holds two gallons of water, I think. And there's a space in my rig where it would fit perfectly. And I thought, hmm, I'll just slide this in here and I can use this for drinking water and I'll have my regular system for every other kind of water. It'll be perfect. Unfortunately, I did not uh, road test this and the lid popped off and two gallons of water splashed all over the inside of my rig. And while that's bad enough, the real problem was that I, I ran out of drinking water. 
I had anticipated going to a Publix or other supermarket at some point, and I didn't realize that once we parked our rigs, we were kind of permanently parked. I mean, I could have left if I wanted to, but it would have been difficult. So I simply asked, does anyone have any spare drinking water? And, uh, and Jackie, Jackie, who lives in a short schoolie, and they measure schoolies by number of windows. You know, there's a 13 window, 17 window. I think she had a seven window or a five window, a smaller schoolie. She said, oh, sure. And she came over and gave me enough water for the weekend. And uh, I was really grateful for that. It was just such a nice gesture from somebody I had just met. Uh, very, very nice. And Thankfully for me, I was able to return the favor because I had brought the makings for Chicago dogs. If you don't know what a Chicago dog is, they're very strange. It's a hot dog in a poppy seed bun with mustard, onions, neon green relish, a pickle spear, sport peppers, and celery salt. Oh, and also tomatoes, which I leave out of mine, but they're in there too. Hence, the reason I was able to pay back Jackie is I had these lovely fresh tomatoes that I won't touch. Well, apparently I'll touch them. I just won't eat them. And I was able to give them to her, and she was so thankful to have fresh, ripe produce. And uh, it was just a nice little thing. And I saw this going on all weekend. Everybody was helping everybody else. You know, what do you need? What do we do? Instant community. And a lot of these people had never met each other before. Super, super nice. Most of this weekend, you won't be surprised to hear, was spent talking about rigs and life on the road. And it was really nice to be around people who understood why you'd have a Gatorade bottle in your van. You know, we didn't even have to, we all spoke the same language. We all kind of knew the same things, but we all had new ideas. Like one night it was cold and I brought out my 12 volt electric blanket and my little a one feed Jackery clone thing. And people were like, wow, I never thought of that. That's a great idea. And somebody else showed me that on sprinters. Anyway, if you prop open the back doors, not all the way, but just square with the vehicle, there's enough tension that you can actually attach a bungee cord across the top and hang your laundry on there. That was another great thing. So that's what the weekend was. And because of that, there was no talk of politics. Uh, there was a little talk of religion. We had some, some people handing out flyers that were not invited, but whatever. No talk about what's going on in the world. And, you know, while obviously that stuff is important, it was really nice to get away for a while and just kind of live, you know? And then at one point, uh, everyone said, hey, we got two minutes. Everybody come over here. And I was only vaguely aware of what was going on, but we actually saw a rocket launch a Falcon rocket filled with Spacelink satellites, because of course, flew off into the sky right in front of us. And we saw it take off and had a great view. And then two minutes later, the sound hit us like this big wave, like <laughs> very, very cool. I think everybody absolutely loved this weekend. So here's a couple of other things I noticed. When you're in this community, there is no shame in carrying a full pee bottle down through the row of all the fans. <laughs> I saw this many times. Some people on bikes. We had a number of porta johns set up for the event, and we were invited to use those as basically black water and gray water disposal, mostly black water. And so, yeah, we were allowed to take our pee bottles there and just dump them in, and there was no shame about it. <laughs> now, for the record, I did not do this. Um, 
If you want to know my secret, I have a little backpack that's collapsible and I put whatever bottles I have in there and, you know, I'll just wear the backpack and head on over to the Porta Johns and come out with a lighter backpack. <laughs> that's how I handle it. But in th this, there was, there was no shyness about it whatsoever. It was kind of funny. Uh, other thing is, uh, hey, campfires are still a thing. What would happen is groups would just form dynamically. So you can only have so many people around a campfire. And where there are 220 vans, there's maybe 300 people there at night. Well, it, you can't fit that many people around a campfire. So basically, we all formed little communities. And I was basically in the schoolie community, not by anything other than happenstance. And I went to their campfires. And again, incredibly welcoming lovely folks these people are just wonderful but just next to me was another another community that was high-end self-build folks many from canada actually there were a lot of canadians there and another lovely community that i also spent time with i would kind of move around and there was no competition or anything between these communities they were just that's where you happen to be but they all had a campfire some of them had actual campfires with actual wood and others just kind of faked it with some lights in a ring or something like that. It, it worked. It was great. It was just like sitting around watching TV, except the content was better. One night after most people went to bed, we stayed up and played Cards Against Humanity. Now, I have mixed feelings about this game. I'm not going to get into that here. There's, it's, it's a problematic game, but... It is a game that promotes bonds. Uh, the group of us that played this were just saying the nastiest, most awful things. <laughs> and it was kind of funny because not everyone in the group knew what everything on the cards were. Uh, were. So um, they said, what does this mean? And then we had to explain some very difficult concepts to folks much in the way you'd have to explain to a four-year-old what sex is. It was, it was interesting moments. And, uh, and Carol, if you happen to be listening to this, I absolutely hope you didn't think we were making fun of you. We were absolutely having fun with you. We were absolutely delighted in you having uh, not experienced these words before. It was just for fun. <laughs> Another thing that happened that I didn't expect was that a lot of people had things for sale. Like almost everybody who was full-timing, and I would say 80, 90% of the people there were full-timing, had something for sale, often art. There was a woman who was making all kinds of pet products like collars and really high-end leashes and stuff like that. I mean, she, she was amazing. She decided she wanted screens because there were a, a few bugs. There actually weren't that many. And she just whipped out a sewing machine and some screen material and just made screens for her entire bus, like right in front of us. It was amazing. That kind of thing was pretty common. One guy was like, people like grilled cheese. I'm going to make grilled cheese. And he just had bread and cheese and he on his inverter, cooked up grilled cheese for everybody. Uh, and there was a lot of that. And uh, this is not really a criticism. I mean, this is a new event. There's, there's certainly hiccups and things that didn't go perfectly. But there was some disconnect between the people who had paid their, to be there to vend, like they had a vendor's booth, and the people who were vending out of their vans. The people who were vending out of their vans got a lot more traffic because they got all the traffic from the people who were walking around looking at vans, whereas the people who were set up as vendors were in a separate area. And I think in the future, they should change that and mix everybody together. Because most of the vendors were also full-time van life folks. So, um, you know, they are one of us. Last thing I'll mention about VanFest, other than you should totally go to one of these things if, if you can, 
is that there were a lot of rigs for sale. Now, I don't know if this means that the market's changing or what, or maybe this is always the case, but a lot of people went to this event hoping to sell their rig. And they were mostly higher-end rigs. There was one absolutely beautiful four-wheel drive Sprinter uh, 3500 Dually. Um, So I guess that makes it six-wheel drive, technically. And it was one of the best things I have ever seen. This thing was perfect, but it was $180,000. So kind of a limited market for that at that price. But there were a lot of other vans that were maybe $30,000 that were older. Um, And also, a lot of vans that weren't for sale... And those were the T1Ns. That's the older sprinters, the model before mine. I think there were more T1N sprinters there than there were sprinters of my vintage, which is interesting because I, I kind of feel like my sprinter is in the bad years for sprinters. <laughs> anyway, boy, uh, thank you to Lance and Jess for putting this on. It was a wonderful experience. I could talk about it more and more and more, but I think that'll give you a feel for why you should come to this and other events like it. I was invited to three other events in Florida just in the coming month, and unfortunately, I can't go to any of them. But they're there. There are events out there. We just need to do better about communicating about them. Well, big thank you to Ian, Diane, and Carrie for your recent buy me a gallon of diesels that you all did. I don't think I said that right, but you know what I mean. You guys are wonderful. Thank you so much for helping to support the show. If you would like to support the show, you can visit buymeacoffee.com slash built to go. And that will mean there are no ads on this podcast. So when you listen to this podcast and you don't hear any ads, it's because of wonderful people like Ian, Diane, and Carrie. Thank you guys. Tech Talk. So I did have occasion to really put my WeBoost to work. Now, I had used it before, and I reviewed it a while back, I think uh, almost a year ago, nine months ago, something like that. And my experience was that it will turn one bar into three bars. It will turn zero bars into no bars. And that gave you only specific situations where it would work and be worth it. So if you're hoping for a solution where you can go out anywhere in the world and stay connected, a WeBoost isn't going to do that for you. In fact, I talked to a number of people at VanFest who also had WeBoosts and they had the same experience. Some of them were just sick of it. A lot of them had gone to Starlink. There were a lot of Starlink dishes there. And for some folks, um, they regret buying the most expensive WeBoost. So what I have is the cheapest WeBoost. Mine was like 279 bucks, and it only works with a cell phone, and that cell phone has to be in this cradle. Now, you can hold the cradle in your hand and walk around with it, but you're going to be connected to a lot of cables. And where I'm staying at Panther Pond at Okaloa Coochie State Park, or whatever it's called, <laughs> it's been wonderful. Because I get exactly one bar of AT&T service here. And as soon as I put my phone into the cradle, it goes up to three bars. And at three bars, I can watch TV, I can do whatever I want, and that makes the WeBoost completely worth it. I'm not sitting here struggling, waiting for things to buffer, not getting frustrated, etc. So, is the WeBoost worth it? Well, I think so, but I would definitely get the cheaper one. One of the gentlemen I was talking to had the fanciest one, the one that gives you basically 
the whole signal inside your van and his van he had covered complete with kill mat so he had basically created a massive faraday cage it was really hard for him to get signal inside his van but he said that unless you were within a few inches of the device itself you really didn't get much of a signal. And I actually think the cradle is better in this circumstance because you can move it around and you know you're connected. There's no doubt that you're connected. But of course, it wouldn't work for your iPad or your computer if you have a card or something. So anyway, that's my two cents. WeBoost is good for very specific conditions. I'm glad I have one, but uh, obviously it's not going to compete with Starlink at all product review. This is a difficult product review because it's not one product. Um, Ikea just released a whole bunch of new lights and they're under the Solvinden name. That's Solvinden, which is basically the Swedish word for sun and the Swedish word for wind put together. Solvinden. These devices come in all different shapes and sizes, none of which I've seen anybody else do. And what's unique about them is they're all USB-C rechargeable but when you buy these, you also have to buy the batteries that are rechargeable, and you should probably just get the ones from Ikea. You can use regular AA's and AAA's in them, but they are rechargeable, so you have to have the right batteries in there for them to be rechargeable. Now, I picked up three different kinds of lights under this brand name, and I think there's actually a total of seven. The ones I picked up are the very inexpensive, under $5 solar-powered lights, a mushroom table lamp, and two hanging lamps. All right, I guess that's four, <laughs> not three. So let's start with the solar-powered lights. These are $4.98. They're just like an upside-down plastic white cup. That's what they look like. And they glow, and they're solar. And these are great for, like, marking out your space. For example, if you're parked somewhere in a campground and you just want to kind of delineate your space, you could buy one for each corner, or you could put one at each corner of your van or whatever. Or maybe put a couple by your sliding door to light up the walkway there, something like that. They're dead simple. You just stick them out and they get sunlight during the day and they charge and then at night they turn on for about six hours and turn themselves off automatically they are tough they can roll around your van i, I don't know i for 4.98 i thought they were great then there's the tabletop lamp which uh, we called the mushroom lamp this is the light we use to play cards against humanity with and it's two pieces a thing that looks like a very big smoke detector and then a heavy base that that snaps onto and it takes a couple of batteries, but all you do is you tap the top and it lights up in two different brightnesses. And it's not terribly bright. None of these are super bright. None of these are general illumination. They're all kind of accent lights. But it was just enough to play Cards Against Humanity outside. And that's all we needed to do. So that was great. Then there was this basically plastic cone that you can hang or put on a table that gave you this glowing white cone of light, which was pretty and accenty again it was nice because it was easy to hang so you could have it over something but again not a lot of light and then the last one is really hard to explain it's this green well, wire basically that's bent into a shape where you have a puck light shining down so you could put it on a table but the puck light part spins or it rotates rather so you could have it face something that one's a little weird and it's really hard to describe. So what I recommend you do is go on Ikea and type in the word Solvinden. That's S-O-L-V-I-N-D-E-N. And I'll have a link in the show notes. And check out these lights because they're inexpensive, they're easy to get, and 
they they might just fit a niche that you're looking for. I have been using them a lot this week, and they've been very useful. I especially like the mushroom lamp. Just this little tabletop lamp. It looks cool. You can actually put stuff on top of it. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, it's just it's just cute. It's not the best light in the world. It is not the worst light in the world. It is just another light, and it may be one that appeals to you. Tales from the road. So, a long time ago at Walmart, I found this EverStart recovery kit, the vehicular recovery kit. And I was going to do a product review on it, but then they were discontinued. I couldn't find them anywhere that didn't exist. And I was like, well, what's the point of talking about something that nobody can get? But I got it for 25 bucks. And the thing that really interested me is that for $25, it came with recovery boards. It came with mini max tracks. These things are maybe 24 inches long and 10 inches wide, but they're heavy and rugged. And I thought, wow, these things could actually work. And for 25 bucks, that's a bargain. If you know how much max tracks costs, you know, that is significantly less and you also know that max tracks are huge um, which is good i mean max tracks are very 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 good for off-road recovery but i don't really go off-road in the ambulance and you know i don't really want to take up all that space with them so they weren't really something i was considering buying but this little kit was great. Also in the kit is a light, kind of a triangle emergency light that you'd put on the road if you were broken down, a toe strap, some gloves, an orange reflective vest, and a tire pressure gauge, which isn't going to help you much. It did not come with a compressor, so I thought that was a bit weird. Anyway, I finally got a chance to use it. So while I have not gotten stuck in my rig, and I have used the recovery boards a couple of times to kind of level the van, they're good for that too. If you need a couple inches of leveling on one side or, or the front and back, yeah, you can put these down and drive over them, and boom, you've got a couple inches. But I had an interesting experience here where there's fresh water where I am, and it comes out of hand pumps. It's supposedly not potable. Some people are drinking it. It looks fine. I don't know, whatever. But I put it into my non-drinkable part of my water system, and... I drove down to where the pump was, and this woman in an older Toyota happened to show up at the same time. Now, this is a very rural place we are. There aren't that many people. So I am aware that as a fairly large man, I could be seen as threatening. So I was kind of trying to figure out how I could go check out this pump without, you know, kind of scaring this woman for lack of a better term so as it happened we both got out of our vehicles at the same time and we both started walking to the water pump so i instantly engaged her in conversation and said hey how's it going i guess we're here for the same reason to check out this pump thus letting her know what my intentions were and giving her a chance to stay with her car as i go checked out the pump or whatever but she seemed pretty comfortable so we walked over to the pump and messed with it a bit and water came out perfect okay and so we chit-chatted a bit turned out she was from massachusetts in the gloucester area and i'm from salem so not far away and you know she's actually living in her car she's uh she's one of us cool I talked a little bit about the ambulance and what it was because it does look kind of weird and that was that i went back to the van to get my water jug and she went to her car and then she was stuck in the mud and she was stuck in the mud pretty good. Now, this Toyota Corolla is not the most off-road capable vehicle in the world. So, uh, I get to use my recovery boards. And I did. And they worked perfectly. What I did was I figured out which wheel was spinning. 
And I put one in front and one in back, and then I had her rock the car back and forth and gave her instructions that once she starts moving, to not stop. Just keep going until you get to the pavement, or in this case, the hardened dirt road. And she followed my instructions perfectly, and she was on her way. So... I'm very happy that I was able to use these recovery boards and to help her out. She was thrilled because this is such a rural place that there might not have been anyone by for hours or even days. She was completely stuck. And she actually offered to pay me for helping her out, which, of course, there's no way in hell I'm going to take money for that. I mean, what for? So uh, one note about the recovery boards, though. They're dirty now, and I don't know where to put them. <laughs> I was keeping them inside my rig, and now they're all dirty. So I think I'm going to wrap them up in a trash bag. But, uh, hey, this this is supposed to be Tales from the Road, not product review, but it's turning into both. And if you are interested in these, I found them for $40. Apparently, they were discontinued, but people bought up the old stock, and they're on eBay. So if you search for EverStart Automotive Emergency Kit on eBay, you can find them for about 40 bucks, or you can search on Amazon for mini recovery boards, and I think they would work. There's a lot of conversation about what recovery boards work and don't, and, and well, I can say that for a car stuck in mud, these little ones actually worked, and it made somebody's day. A place to visit. Folks, the place to visit is events. Go to events if you can. I had such a great time, and I'm going to try to go to more. And I'm learning that there are a lot of events out there. There's just no one great repository for them all. And I thought about trying to create one, but I can't even find the events to put on anything. So I'm going to list three here that people told me to go to that I can only go to one of these. But a very popular one is called Schoolie Swarm. And Schooly is S-K-O-O-L-I-E, schoolieswarm.com, and uh, they have events every year, and those people are great. Amanda's one of the organizers, if not the main organizer. She is just a force of a woman. I mean, she is somebody that you meet that you can tell she has her stuff together. And uh, I was very happy to meet her. And all the schoolie people that were there had all been to Schoolie Swarm, and it was this big community. But they are ecumenical. They don't care what you drive. You can show up in a car and a tent. You can show up in a pickup truck. You can show up in a van. They don't care. They're all about the community. So even though it's a schoolie event, that doesn't mean you can't go in your van. Another one that's happening in Florida is Peace, Love, and Vans. That's at peacelovevans.com. That's a regular van life event that I would go to if I could, but I can't. And then one I am going to try to go to this year in August is Schoolie UP in the Upper Peninsula. It's in Gould City, which is way up there, but still not too far from Chicago. And they organize through Instagram, so you can only figure out what's going on through Instagram. Then they're called schoolie UP on Instagram. Again, I'll have a link in the show notes. I'm going to make an effort to try to find a way to create a directory of all these different events, because we have all these I've mentioned. We know we have descend on bend. We know we have rubber tramp rendezvous. Um, we know there's VanFest Utah, so VanFest is a whole bunch of them. There may be a VanFest New England this year. There's a bunch of these events going on but they're not easy to find, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So I'm going to try to make them easier to find. And you can help me with this. If you know of an event, send me a link. Just send a link to jeff at builttogo.com. That's two T's, not three, not one. 
and I will get it out there and it'll, I'll include it in the news section of podcasts at the very least. And maybe I'll create a web presence as well. Resource recommendation. So the folks from explorist.life, that's their website and that's the name of their organization, were at VanFest and they offered a really cool service, which was free electrical checks. Now, they make money by selling people plans and advice on how to build vans. They'll also build out parts of your vans, especially the electrical systems. And they offered that, hey, if you've got a van that you built out yourself and something's wrong with your electrical set up, they'll come check it out and tell you what's wrong and offer suggestions. I thought that was super cool. And a lot of people took them up on that. So I kind of want to plug them a bit, especially for something they have online. So if you go to explorers.life, they have a tool section. And in this tool section, you will find all kinds of calculators and tools. So they have wiring diagrams, calculators, electrical guides, like how to set up your electrical, electrical component programming, product tutorials and reviews. But I especially like the calculators because there's a calculator for how much time it takes to charge a battery bank, what size wire you should use, solar charge controller calculator, fuse sizing calculator, and how to do a power audit. All this stuff is built into their site. This is a kind of a, well, they're like a one-stop shop for everything you could need for your van. Now, this is, they're a business. They're not just doing this because they're nice, although they are, but this stuff is out there and you can use it for free. And uh, heck, I, I highly recommend you do. They also have a lot of, they have a, a blog and you can subscribe for free and all that. So check it out at explorist.life, especially if you're a newbie or just trying to figure things out. They can walk you through step by step. I did meet them very briefly. They were super nice guys. They gave the talk after mine and they had a whole van's electrical system built onto a board <laughs> and they held it up and showed everybody what everything was for and how to wire things, which is very, very valuable. One of the conversations I had with a lot of people was they just don't understand electrical. And I've talked about that many times on this podcast. Explorers.life is trying to do something about that. And I know that I have to try to do more about it because electrical still scares people and it's becoming more and more important. Well, folks, thank you very much for listening to episode 197. Next week, boy, next week, I don't know. <laughs> I've got some more crazy travels coming up, and I don't know what I'm going to do next week. But it will be something, and hopefully you will be here. Music, as always, is by Simon Wagg. And until next time, remember the words of Albert Camus, who said, The artist forges himself to the others, midway between the beauty he cannot do without and the community he cannot tear himself away from. That is why true artists scorn nothing. They are obliged to understand rather than to judge.